welcome all you blokes and chillers to the Sport Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time and some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present. The traditional custodians of this land of the Gold Coast, we thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sport Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Welcome back, Glenn. How was your Christmas and New Year? <laughs> I've only seen you briefly since, yeah. but you, you're back on the sports shack. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've missed you. Yeah. I've had a fair bit to do with the health issues and that. So. Yeah. And then I got melanomas taken out last week. Oh, really? So they go back tomorrow to get results. Jeez. So hopefully it'll be negative, but... Um, yeah. My, my grandpa did die from melanoma, and, and my, my mother's had a lot of melanoma. So. Yeah, yeah. Same with my dad; he's had quite a few. Yeah. yeah so where where do they get taken out? Oh, the doctor took it out last Sunday, like last Friday. Yeah, is it like on on your ear or on the side? The side oh, of the yeah. Nose. There we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I saw the shade a bit funny. So if it's on the face, it's probably less chance of spreading. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. be thinking of you. Sorry, when when do you get the results? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, eh? Mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, don't mention the NDIS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah. Oh gosh. They've yeah. got to be one all humidity slap, don't yeah, they? That's right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, all, yeah, no, just... It was supposed to come in and you know be the bee's knees of helping people with disabilities, and yeah. created a lot of stress and drama that's it, yeah. for a lot of them, hasn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm virtually going going back to where I came from and telling the guy something. Mm. It's not helping me. It's, uh, and this is a thing when you're in regional areas. Um, it's so much harder, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, anything else been happening? Any other, You got any claps and slaps? Anything good happening? <laughs> Lots of good things across the road. Who is going to get a slap and who is going to get a clap for this week? Beautiful sea temperature. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, I had the tree fall on that, the house I used to live in. Yep. At four o'clock in the morning. That was just out of the blue. Mm. Lucky now I'm with her. Um, yeah. Well, we had the tornado here on Christmas Day. I, I was away into state. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, thankfully, I wasn't affected here, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 
Oh, I couldn't get over how bad it was until I was driving around and seeing all the carnage everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, bless my soul. Yeah, yeah, no, I've just been watching a lot of cricket. Um, Yeah, like, very disappointed with Australia's test batting lineup. (laughs) 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 They haven't fired all summer. Uh, And they got beaten by the West Indies last week and one of the biggest upsets ever. uh, Um, But congratulations to the West Indies. That was just a Killian performance. uh, And Shamar Joseph. Now, this guy is a young fella, right? He comes from this village in Guyana, on the top of South America, right? And he's normally got to travel by small boat up this river half a day to get to his village. Yeah, there's basically no TV there. The internet only came in a couple of years back. And he only really started being serious about his cricket a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, he was a security guard and he just tore the Aussies to shreds. Because <laughs> the night before he was batting, like he had a, he, like the West Indies lost the first test and he had, he had a great game. He got a wicket off his first ball in test cricket. Got yeah. the great Steve Smith out. Um, got five wickets, so he's had a dream debut and it only got better for him. Yeah. yeah, in that test in Brisbane last week, he um, got hit on on the toe by Mitchell Stark, last person you want to get hit on the toe by. Toe just blew up like a balloon. He, he couldn't walk. Yeah. And he only turned up to the ground the next day. He wasn't even going to turn up. Yeah. He just thought, oh, yeah, I'll just go. He didn't even take his stuff because he wasn't expected to play because he was injured. Yeah. And... Yeah, he just decided to go and watch and then all of a sudden, I think it was like the captain or the coach said, oh, you know, we need you. Mm-hmm. And they painkillered him up, gave him injections and yeah. he's gone out there and <laughs> just destroyed the Aussie batting lineup, yeah. tore them to shreds. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then Mitch Marsh, he got the Alan Border medal. I was very surprised with that. Yeah, I want to have an episode one time about sports people who we grew to like. Because I've never disliked Mitch Marsh, but I always have been very critical of his performances over the year. But his last couple of years, he's really stood up, stood tall. and Yeah, and he's one I've really grown to like and respect. And he's, he's just a genuine top bloke, you know. Um, but at one stage there, he was being labelled as the most hated man in Australian cricket because uh, people just couldn't understand why he was in the side, you know, because he just, he just wouldn't perform. <laughs> to, yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, congratulations to him. And, yeah, and uh, Yannick Sinner. Yeah, he won the Australian Open from two sets down. Daniel Medvedev in the men's final yeah. last Sunday. I had a feeling he was going to come back and win that because he, he lost the first two sets, but he wasn't playing bad. And, yeah, once things started, you know, started started to go good for him in that third set, 
I just thought, yeah, he's a real chance here. Yeah, so that was his first Grand Slam title, and his coach is a former Aussie tennis player called Darren Cale. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's been a very successful tennis coach, you know. Andre Agassi, he coached him. Andre Agassi just loved him. Even bought him a uh, Harley Davidson motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, that's a uh, gift. Yeah. 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 He's very well respected, Darren Cale. <coughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to our topic for today. Now, Miss Olivia is going to come back and join us soon. Yeah, but we're going to follow on on the topic of sporting quotes. So last episode, we looked at inspirational sporting quotes. This week, we're going to look at the funny ones. Yeah, so, yeah, the funny sporting quotes from over the years. So we're going to discuss some of the ones from athletes and coaches. Now, some of these athletes and coaches are well-known, some not so well-known. However, have made one laugh with one standout comment. So I think we might have mentioned this one in a previous episode, like, you know, on sledging. Yeah. Yeah. Like, take, for example, little-known former English cricketer James Ormond. Now, he only played two test matches for England, but when he came out to bat in his debut test match in an Ashes series in 2001, former Aussie cricket legend Mark Waugh asked Orman, quote, Mate, what are you doing out here? There's no way you're good enough to play for England. And then Orman came back with a classic reply and said, quote, Maybe not, but at least I'm the best player in my own family. <laughs> <laughs> a reference Ormond was making to Mark Waugh's brother, Steve Waugh, who was the captain of the Australian team at the time. Now, last episode, we spoke about the great NFL coach, former NFL coach, Vince Lombardi. Now, he was known for his motivational and inspirational speeches, but he also was very quick-witted and one uh, comment that he made was quote the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary end of quote (laughs) and yeah we've mentioned this one quite a few times a very famous and memorable quote by former Aussie cricket great Keith Miller who was a fighter pilot in the second world war now when he was Interviewed by the great Sir Michael Parkinson about pressure in cricket one day, Miller responded with his famous quote, Pressure is a mess of schmidt up your ass. Playing cricket is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you think of any funny sporting quotes that come to mind or someone who was well known making funny comments? Well, just um, really a bit, really bit uh... Richie Benno, yeah, the captain of the commentary team, and marvellous, yeah, when things were going really good, a good shot, marvellous shot that, that's yeah. right, yeah. right across the field, well, well, well marvellous bowling, and <laughs> yeah, marvellous, everything was marvellous, and uh, chew for twenty chew, yeah. and Billy Birkenhead, the twelfth man, turned it into a song, yeah. Everything's <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 I think it even made the top 40, that. Yeah. But, um, 
Oh, they were just legends. The Channel Nine cricket commentary team then. Yeah. You know, they, they were just so. Uh, they were just part of the family, weren't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. every summer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing with Richie Benoit, he was he was very good because he 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 was the master of silence. So you look at like cricket commentators today, and they go berserk, you know. When you know, like take for, take for example Shane Warne's ball, ball of the century. Now yeah. Richie Benoit called that. Yeah. But it's it's regarded as one of the most classic pieces of cricket commentary, because of you know he didn't say that much. He didn't jump up and all he said was, and he's got him. He doesn't know much about it or something. He still doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, but if that happened today, gosh, it'd be you know thousand decibels, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's completely different. They'd be talking all the time over the play, and mm. yeah. exactly, yeah. And just talking in, in between, uh, in between. Well, this is what, and I think Kerry Packer was a fan of this too. You know, this, like, yeah, the less spoken, the better. Yeah, yeah. it was best for the viewer to just take it in, and yeah, yeah. And when I've watched like cricket matches on TV in England. When Richie was commentating and the other commentators there, they don't really say much, you know. Like, there's yeah, much less dialogue than what it is here. Yeah. They just let the game, you know, let the viewer take it in and yeah. then make comments yeah. when they have to. Yeah, yeah. and it's great because you get the whole atmosphere of the crowd and yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, the master of funny quotes, my hero. The great, the one and only, and you've got him on your shirt today, Glenn. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh. I've got now I've got a whole heap of his quotes here, right? There's a whole heap more, but we'll be here all day. Now, you know how he he what in, what inspired him to take up um, boxing in the first place? How it all started? When he was a kid. Right, and he had a, he got a brand new bike, and he had it stolen, yeah. and he said to the the policeman when he reported it, you know, whoever I find catching, you know, whoever stole that bicycle, my new, new bike, I'm gonna give him a whooping. Yeah. And then the the policeman said, oh, you know, well, if you're gonna do that, you might as well come down to the the club and do some boxing. <laughs> That's how he got into it. Yeah. yeah. So he said, it, like, how many great journeys in life have begun on a shiny new bicycle, Muhammad uh, Ali said. And, quote, I'm tired of telling you I'm the greatest. From now on, I'll let you say it. End of quote. And this one, I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I can't possibly be beaten. And another one, it's hard to be as humble when you're as great as I am. <laughs> Now, the thing is, he never meant any of this, you know, and he even admitted it. Uh, yeah, it was all to um, promote the fights. Uh, yeah. So when he used to have a go at all the other boxers and call them names, and uh, he never meant a word of it. Uh, yeah, it was all like to try and psych out the opponent, and uh, build up the, 
the fight and he was just he was a master promoter you know um now quote he goes if you even dream of beating me you better wake up and apologize <laughs> <laughs> end of quote and quote float like a butterfly sting like a bee your hands can't hit what your eyes can't see quote end of quote so this one it's just a job grass grows birds fly Waves pound the sand. I beat people up. <laughs> and see, I'm pretty as a girl. There isn't a mark on me. <laughs> yeah, like th- you would say this at the end of a fight. Yeah. Like he, he just won a world title against Sonny Liston. And I'm as pretty as a girl. There isn't a mark on my face. Now, this is in relation to uh, Sir Henry Cooper, the former British boxer who he... Now, Henry Cooper is famous because he actually knocked, he actually sent Muhammad Ali to the canvas in one of their fights. Uh. Yeah. Um, but this was before the fight. He goes, quote, If Cooper whoops me, I'll get down on my hands and knees, crawl across the ring and kiss his feet. End of quote. And he goes, quote, I don't think it's bragging to say I'm something a little special. Now, that was in the lead-up to the 1963 Sonny Liston fight. And he also said this about Sonny Liston because he used to call him the big, big bad bear. He goes, quote, He's too ugly to be the world champ. The world champ should be pretty like me. And trainer Angelo Dundee, yeah, he, um, he made this quote. Now, this was Muhammad Ali's trainer throughout his career legendary trainer he goes quote he hit him so quick the cameras couldn't take it end of quote (laughs) now he was famous for his uh, sledging and his bouts with Joe Fraser smoking Joe Fraser and in the lead up now I think this was their first fight now this was in 1971 Um, yeah this is what Joe Fraser said about Muhammad Ali right because they had this love-hate relationship. And if you ever see that movie, Ali, you know, with Will Smith, they actually started off being good mates. Uh. Yeah, Joe Fraser stood up for Ali, you know, when he he wasn't allowed the box because he punched uh. the draft. And, uh. Yeah, and apparently I, I heard this a few days ago. Um, Joe Fraser actually gave some of his, his money, his prize money to um, Ali. To help him out. Yeah, but things got nasty between them, you know, especially when Ali started sledging him and calling him names. And, and Fraser said, quote, He can keep that pretty head. I don't want it. What I'm going to do is try and pull those kidneys out. Then I'll be in business. End of quote. Now, now Muhammad Ali, he had this fear of flying there at one stage. Yeah. yeah, I heard once that he would put on a um, a life ja- like a parachute uh, <laughs> yeah, on a plane. Be prepared. Yeah, and uh, went on a plane flight to Manila, Philippines. This was for the third time that he was going to fight Joe Frazier. Now this was the famous uh, thriller in Manila fight because they that Frazier won the first fight. And then Ali won the second one, and this was their, their third one. And 
Yeah, so this is a famous thriller in Manila fight. Now, Ali was told twice to fasten his seatbelt <laughs> by, um, yeah, by, you know, the air hostess. Yeah. And Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The stewardess replied, quote, Superman don't need no plane either. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, this is what Ali said in the lead up to the fight with Fraser in, Man in Manila. Quote, it will be a killer and a thriller and a chiller when I get the gorilla in Manila. And he used to walk around before the fight and with this gorilla, toy gorilla, and start hitting it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, and he also said this about Joe Frazier, quote, Joe Frazier is so ugly he could donate his face to the U.S. Bureau of Wildlife. And, quote, Fraser is so ugly that when he cries, the tears turn around and go down the back of his head. End of quote. And, yeah, this was at the end of the fight. Because it was, both of them nearly died in this fight. Like, it went the whole 15 rounds and it was in, like, just dreaded heat and humidity, you know. Uh, uh. Yeah, and they just, they, they just fought to exhaustion and, the only reason the fight stopped in that final round was because uh, Fraser's eye had swollen up so bad. Yeah. Uh, and that was the only reason Ali won. Um, but, yeah, he said, Ali said, man, I hit him. No, this is what Fraser said, actually. He, go, he said this about Ali. I hit him with punches that would have brought down the walls of a city. Lordy, lordy, he's a great champion. End of quote. Now, Ali's press conference for the Rumble in the Jungle fight is well known for Ali's many quotes. Now, this was um, when he was fighting J George Foreman. And no one, it wasn't, I don't think the only person who gave himself a chance of winning that fight was... Uh, Ali himself, basically. And no one can whoop him. That's when that little Cassius Clay from Louisville, Kentucky came up and stopped Sonny Liston, the man who annihilated Floyd Patterson twice. He was going to kill me. But he hit harder than George. His reach was longer than George. He's a better boxer than George. And I'm better now than I was when you saw that 22-year-old undeveloped kid running from Sonny Liston. I'm experienced now, professional. Jaw's been broke, been lost, knocked down a couple of times. Bad. Been chopping trees. I've done something new for this fight. I done wrestled with an alligator. That's right. I have wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Only last week, I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. Bad dude. Bad. So he goes on to say, fast, fast, fast. Last night I cut the light off my bedroom, hit the switch, was in the bed before the room was dark. Incredible. Fast. Incredible. You, George Fullman, all of you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. All of you. I know you got him. I know you got him picked, but the man's in trouble. I'm going to show you how great I am. Hey. <laughs> oh, I could listen to him all day. Funny man. Yeah. Now, he said this about George Foreman too, quote, before the fight. 
I've seen George Foreman shadow boxing and the shadow one. End of quote. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the two of them became great mates later on in life. Yeah, best of mates. Now, the famous sports commentator, Howard Cossell. Now, he gave Ali no chance of defeating George Foreman. Now, Ali and Cossell, you know, all throughout Ali's career, yeah, had this, you know, bantering going on between them all the time. Uh. But they were great mates, you know, for many years. And uh, Cossell said this. Now, this was on uh, When We Were Kings. I reckon it's the greatest sports documentary ever. It's all about the rumble in the jungle fight. Now, he said, uh, like as Cossell said, he just didn't give Ali any chance of defeating George Foreman at all. Because you, you've got to think, you know, Foreman, he had knocked out Jay Frazier twice in, like, the first two rounds, basically. And, you know, he was saying, Cossell said, you know, you're not the same man I was ten years ago. Well, I was talking to your wife and she said, you ain't the same man you were two years ago. This is what Ali was saying to Cossell. Yeah. And that thing you got on your head is a phony... And it comes from the tail of a pony. <laughs> yeah, because he always thought Howard Cossell was wearing one of those toupees, you know, yeah. on his head. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon he was too. Yeah, but we've spoken about the great Rex Mossop and his Rex and his Mossopisms and his Yeah. What's that famous quote he said in reference to the nude bathers? I don't think the male genitals or the female genitals should be rammed down people's throats. <laughs> and then, you know, he'd be commentating a match and now the referee is giving him a verbal tongue lashing. <laughs> and this one, he, he, he said this, this, this was in a Western Suburbs game. He goes, quote, If I keep getting Boyd and O'Grady mixed up, it's because they look alike, especially around the head. End of quote. <laughs> now, Jack Gibson. Now, he was, he was a very famous rugby league coach. And he's well known for his quotes and knowing which one to apply to each situation when coaching and commentating. Do you remember him, like, in the 80s? Like, he used to, on the State of Origin games, he'd be commentating with Daryl Eastlake. And, uh, yeah, he was on the... Billy Birmingham, ones, you know, when he had to go out to the car park and get his... Cardigan. Yeah, and then he's uh, he's come back and Daryl Eastlake said, this was in regards to Wayne Pierce. The, yeah, Pierce off, Jack. Yeah, Pierce off, Jack, Gibbs on. <laughs> what did you say? What did you call me? <laughs> Fuck knuckle. Yeah, Daryl Eastlake down but what he's very famous for, he's the man, Jack Gibson, who coached Parramatta to three premierships in a row and coached them to their first title in 1981. And, yeah, what he said after the game, he goes, he tells the, the um, supporters, you know, back at the league's club, um, quote, ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> uh. End of quote. That's what I said to Livy when... Adam Scott won the Masters. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh. <laughs> it's finally an Aussie had won the Masters. 
there. But um, he said this when he was co-commentating a um, State of Origin match, and there was a, a Queensland referee called Barry Gomisal, and he was very controversial. And he would commentate a lot of the Origin games. He was a Queenslander, you know, so he was always giving favours to the Queensland team. Um, yeah, and Jack Gibson said, quote, I think he must have an egg timer. Every four minutes he blows the whistle, end of quote. <laughs> Queensland <laughs> referee Barry Gomisal. Yeah. But I, I think I last episode mentioned um, the kick it to the seagulls quote. Yeah, I was telling Libby about this. And um, when he was coaching Peter Sterling at Parramatta and, you know, Sterling was, this was early in his career and, and he was struggling with his kicking game. And one night at training, he goes up to Jack Gibson and he goes, oh, Jack, you know, what can I do to improve my kicking game? And all, all Jack Gibson said to him was, kick it to the seagulls. <laughs> Peter Sterling's walked off and, what the bloody hell's, he's gone mad. What's he going on about? Yeah. And then when they, that following weekend, they played a game at the Sydney Cricket Ground and Peter Sterling's looking out in the field, straight ahead, there's a whole heap of seagulls there. Yeah, because yeah, that's what we get in a lot of sporting fields here in Australia. Yeah, yeah seagulls <laughs> where the players aren't. Yeah, especially on cricket fields. And, and uh, yeah, that's what he did. He kicked it towards the seagulls and, yeah, he's, uh, it was one of the best kicking games he'd ever played and really helped his career after that. He had an awesome kicking game, Peter Sterling. So, yeah, he kicked to the open spaces rather than the opposition. Because um, that's what seagulls do. They just tend to stick together in the one spot, don't they? Yeah, but he, yeah, like he was um, famous for just his short quotes, like Richie Benno'd, you know, he'd say, quote, played strong, done fine, end of quote. <coughs> then there was a State of Origin game in 1987. This was game one. Andrew Eddinghausen, he was making his debut. I think Gibson was coaching him at the time, like, because he was coaching Cronulla, and Eddinghausen made a break. He was super fast. And he, go, he said this about Andrew Eddinghouse and he goes, quote, that guy is so quick he can switch off the light and get in the bed before the room is dark. End of <laughs> yeah. And he said this about the Queensland crowd. He said, there's always free cheese in a mouse trap, and they'd boo Santa Claus this mob on the Lang Park crowd during a State of Origin match. And he said this about Cronulla, you know, it took him so many years to win a premiership um but this was you know back in the days you know Cronulla was struggling and he goes quote waiting for Cronulla to win a premiership is like leaving the porch lamp on for Harold Holt <laughs> yeah so that was on Cronulla's long premiership drought and yeah Harold Holt he was a former Australian prime minister who yeah. disappeared Went missing when he went for a swim in 1967 and uh, has never been found since. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah. There hasn't been too many Australian pre Prime Ministers that have died in office, eh? Uh, yeah. Uh, now, Joe Marino, now he's the famous Portuguese football manager. 
and he's got a long history of bizarre and funny quotes. And yeah, he, when he was um, coaching Manchester United, he said, "Quote: They cannot walk from bed to the toilet." End of quote. And he goes, "Quote: Please don't call me arrogant, but I'm European champion, and I think I'm a special one." End of quote. And I am Jose Marino, and I don't change. I rise with all my qualities and my defects. <laughs> End of quote. And if they made a film of my life, I think they should get George Clooney to play me. He's a fantastic actor, and my wife thinks he would be ideal. <laughs> oh, give himself a rap. Uh. And uh, he goes, quote, It was good, the attitude, the desire... We don't have A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, but we do have L, M, N, S, O, P. End of quote. <laughs> Whatever he means by that, I'll never know. And he goes, quote, this is about younger players. He goes, young players are like melons. Only when you open and taste the melon are you 100% sure that the melon is good. End of quote. And I, he goes, quote, I would rather play with 10 men than wait for a player who is late for the bus. Now, have you heard of W.G. Grace? Yeah. Yeah, the, now he was around a long, long time ago, way before our time. Yeah, he was a former English cricket great from the late 18th, 1800s to the early 1900s. And yeah, he, um, when he, when he, this happened quite a fair bit apparently, he was clean bowled for a few runs into his innings one game, and he picked up the bales and placed them back on top of the stumps, and he turned around to face the bowler and said, quote, they've come here to see me bat, not to see you bowl. <laughs> End of quote. And incredibly, the umpire let Grace resume his innings. Yeah. Uh, Talking and, about the bales, yeah. I heard an interesting fact. There's 42 grams difference between the wooden one and the metallic one. Yeah? Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. So there's a bit of debate over it on, on the, the electric ones. Well, I think it might have been the last test match. <laughs> yeah, the ball hit the stumps, but the bales didn't come off. Yeah. Yeah, that's happened a bit over the years. Yeah. I played in a couple of games when I was younger, and the ball went through the stumps. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> the coming off. Yeah. But uh, Shamar Joseph, he doesn't have any problem. He knocks the stumps out of the ground. Uh, Gosh. Now, but the sad thing, thing is, like, you know, 2020 cricket, his, his career is going to just go there because that's where all the money is over in the West Indies. Uh, yeah. And it's because, like, the three main countries, Australia, England and India, they're just greedy, mm. you know. They, they keep all the cash to themselves, basically. Uh, uh, they should be, you know, trying to get these other countries, uh, giving them some more money so other players can, uh, you know, they, it entices them more to play test cricket. Yeah. Uh, now... Former English leg spin bowler Eric Hollies. Now, this was after he bowled the great Sir Donald Bradman for a duck in Bradman's final in innings in 1948. He goes, quote, I bowled the best ball in history and they were all talking about him in reference to, 
to the to the great Don. Uh, anyway, it's quiz time, so I'm going to go get Miss Olivia. It's quiz time. Hi. Hi. What have we got this week? We've got six multiple choice questions. All in regards to funny quotes. Ooh. Sporting quotes, yeah. Okay. Question number one. Which basketball great said the following quote? They say that nobody is perfect. Then they tell you practice makes perfect. I wish they make up their minds. <laughs> Is it A. Wilt Chamberlain, B. Michael Jordan, or C. Kobe Bryant? And the answer is A. Wilt Chamberlain. Question number two: What is the name of the motorsports broadcaster who said the following quote while commenting a, commentating a race? The drivers have one foot on the brake, one on the clutch, clutch, and one on the throttle. Is it A, Jackie Stewart, B, Murray Walker, or C, Bob Varsha? And the answer is C, Bob Varsha. Uh, Murray Walker, he... He could commentate on Formula One for years, absolutely years. Uh, and I remember him being interviewed mm. one time, and he copped all this criticism uh, um, about making mistakes. And they said he he showed them. He said all he had to look at was a little black and white monitor. So, so it's about to tell the difference between cars mm -hmm. uh, was really really had to concentrate, and he always didn't get it right because yeah, it, it was just, they they just gave him a black and white monitor, yeah, not car. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> Interesting. Well, question number three. What is the name of the ice hockey player who said the following? All hockey games are bilingual. They are they know English and profanity. <laughs> Was it A Geordie Gordy Geordie Howe, B Wayne Gretzky, or C Bobby Orr? And the answer is A. Gordie Howe. Question number four. What former well-known basketball player said the following? Chemistry is a class that you take in high school or college, where you figure out two plus two is ten or something. Was it A, Larry Bird, B, Scottie Pippen, or C, Dennis Rodman? And the answer is C, Dennis Rodman. What famous golfer said the following to his about his opponents? I look into their eyes, shake their hands, pat their back, and wish them well. 
luck and I am thinking I am going to bury you? <laughs> is it A, Tiger Woods, B, Sebi? 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 Sebi Ballesteros. Sebi Ballesteros or C, Nick Falder? And the answer is Seve Ballesteros. Yay! Oh, I know the answer to this one. Okay, question six. What well-known poet and playwright said, rugby is a good occasion for keeping 30 bullies far away from the center of the city? (laughs) (laughs) Is it A? Can you read that again? Yeah. Um, What well-known poet and playwright said, Rugby is a good occasion for keeping 30 bullies away from the center of the city. (laughs) (laughs) They're right. Um, (laughs) Is it A, Agatha Christie, B, Oscar Wilde, or C, Shakespeare? Yeah, Shakespeare definitely said this. Uh huh. And the answer, the answer is B. Oscar Wilde. I have like one of his books, and it's so it's so funny. It's so crazy that people from like two hundred years ago were still funny. Yeah. Now, if you don't get this, who am I this week? This week's <laughs> you need who you need a lot of help in the sports department. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it? our easiest one ever. Who is it? Whisper it to me. Come back. Oh, you'll know who it is. No, I won't. Okay. I was born in Mount Isa, Queensland in 1955, and I am a retired professional golfer. I won 88 professional tournaments and two majors during my illustrious c- career. They, they being, them being, I don't know, um, <laughs> the 1886 and 1993 Open Championship. I spent 331 weeks as world number one and was runner-up eight times in majors throughout my career. I'm regarded by many as a pioneer of my sport in Australia. According to Britannica.com, I'm one of the most successful athletes turned entrepreneurs in the history of sport. I have designed more than 70 golf course golf courses and even have my own successful brand of golf golf equipment, sportswear and wine. During my golfing career, I once made the quote, um, I owe a lot to my parents, especially my mother and father. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks, group. <laughs> I am now the CEO of the controversial Live Golf Investments and behind the Live Golf in invitational series of golf tournaments. During my golfing career, I was known for my great sportsmanship on the course and known for my great deeds of charity. My nickname is Great White Shark. My name is... Dun, dun, dun. Thanks, Livy. We'll in the episode. Well, bye.
Righty, eh? So we're going to talk about some other funny quotes in sport now. Now, this guy, I remember going to the Sydney Olympics and I went to one night of the athletics and this bloke had the crowd in a frenzy. Yeah, his name was Jai Tarima and he's a former Aussie long jumper and he was leading the whole way, basically. And then this Cuban guy, I forget his name, he nicked it right off the very last jump. But, oh, boy, he was a real entertainer, Jai Tarima. Yeah. And I'll never forget it, you know. It was just one of the... It was a great performance. And the one thing Jai Tarima was known for was he's... <laughs> he had a very unhealthy diet. It wasn't your normal athlete's diet, you know. He would smoke and eat all this junk food. and Yeah, so when he... Just after he won his silver medal, he goes, quote, I'm just a normal Aussie guy who likes a smoke and a drink. I wish they'd had a final between 2am and 4am. I might have uh. won, end of quote. Uh. And Conor McGregor, after one UFC fighter at a champion press event, interrupted a question for Conor McGregor. McGregor simply responded by saying, quote, who the... Effing is that guy. <laughs> now, Lee Trevino, spoken about him before, but very funny guy. He's a former great golfer. And he said this, quote, You can make a lot of money in this game. Just ask my ex-wives. Both of them are so rich that neither of their husbands work. End of quote. <laughs> and he said this, quote, I was in the woods so much I could tell which plants were edible. (laughs) (laughs) Another great golfer, Gary Player. And he said, one of his quotes was, it's a marriage. If I had to choose between my wife and my putter, I would really miss her. (laughs) (laughs) And Bobby Jones, he's another former golfing great, quote, Competitive sports are played mainly on a five and, and a half inch court, the space between your ears, end of quote. Now, Mick Malthouse, he's a former Aussie rules footballer and he had a distinguished career as an AFL coach and he said this about statistics. He goes, quote, statistics are like bikinis. They show a lot, but not everything, <laughs> end of quote. There's... I've, Talking about Richie um, Benoid before. Now, he said this about uh, Glenn McGrath, you know, the great Aussie fast bowler. And, uh. you know, but the thing about Pigeon, he, uh, wasn't <laughs> he wasn't too good in the batting department uh. when he was batting. Now, one time he was dismissed for two, just two runs. And Richie goes, just 98 short of his maiden test century. Now, Megan Jones, now she's a former Australian equestrian silver medalist. Now, this was, well, she might still be competing. Yeah, but she won a silver medal at the 2008 Olympics in equestrian. Now, she said this after one of her rides when she was competing in the Olympics. She goes, quote, I was really enjoying my ride and just thinking how beautiful it was out here. And the next minute, 
I was picking gravel out of my head. End of quote. <laughs> now, I haven't heard of this guy, but his name's Bart Scott. Now, he's a former NFL linebacker. Now, when he was interviewed by Sal, I'll see if I can pronounce this right, uh, Paolantonio, after a game, he said this about the opposition. He said, quote, All we hear is about is their defence. They can't stop a nosebleed. End of quote. Now, Chuck Nevitt, now he's a former NBA centre. He played in the 1980s and early 90s and it's one of the tallest players in NBA history, standing at a whopping seven foot five inches. <laughs> now, he said this, this once when he was interviewed, he goes, quote, my sister's expecting a baby and I don't know if I'm going to be an uncle or an aunt. End of quote. Now, this next guy's name is Mike Ditka. Now, he's a NFL coach. Now, he was interviewed after his team had, you know, that had another loss. And they were going like a busted. And I've got some audio of this. <laughs> it's a great blow-up. Yeah. Here we are. What do you want to know? Come on. Well, I'm going to go in now. So if you're what doesn't matter which one run, there'll be a quarterback that'll be named next week that'll be the starter. There's three quarterbacks on this football team. Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever ones don't, we'll back him up. Period. Cut and dried. It's nobody's concern but ours. Nobody's. Next. Injuries from the uh, game. Talk to the trainer. Next. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? Right. Okay. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. What next? Mike, is this more like a training camp type practice as opposed to a regular season? Yes. Next. <laughs> um, not very much fun, is it? No? Not at all. Alright. I'll see you guys then. <laughs> next. Next. Uh, next. <laughs> I actually saw him on an episode of Becca. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, which was um, American sitcom. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, Becca was going off about... I remember uh, that show. Yeah. About how the, um, the uh, college players, yeah, you know, get taught me in the goals a year. Yeah. Yeah, and they can't... All they got to do is put a pen... Yeah, sign the contract. Yeah. Hand on the, the pen and make an X. Yeah. And he walks in saying, You've got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. The, <laughs> the pain and that. So I thought he was an actor. Yeah. But no, he's, he's, he's a football coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I, I was reading last night Muhammad Ali's trainer. Uh, yeah, Bundini Brown. Yeah, he did. He was in some some uh, movies. Yeah. yeah, I never knew though. I was uh, yeah talk about movies. Sergeant Shorts. Hmm. He was in over forty movies. Yeah. Yeah, John Brown. Well, this uh, Drew Bondini Brown. He was behind a lot of Ali's funny quotes. Yeah. Yeah, like floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee, and yeah. yeah. Now. 
Ron Atkinson is a former English football player, manager, and well-known football pundit. Now, he once said this about a particular player. He said, quote, He dribbles a lot and the opposition don't like it. You can see it all over their faces. End of quote. <laughs> and... He goes, this other quote, I never comment on referees and I'm not going to break the habit of a lifetime for that prat. End of quote. Now, Duffy Doherty, he's a former American football player and coach. And Bob Fulton, the great rugby league coach, he used to say this quote. <laughs> he was the first person I heard say this. He goes, a tie is like kissing your sister. <laughs> now, Joe uh, Teesman. You know, he's a former American football quarterback. He said, quote, nobody in football should be called a genius. A genius is a guy like Norman Einstein, end of quote. Now, the great Robin Williams. Gee, he's greatly missed, isn't he? Oh, yeah. 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 But he, he made some really funny quotes in regards to some, you know, sport. Uh. <laughs> and he used to say, you know, cricket was like... Um, Baseball on Valium. <laughs> but he said this about the sport of lacrosse. He goes, quote, I thought lacrosse was what you find in La Church. End of quote. Now, Rabino, the former Brazilian football player. Now, when he was signed by Manchester City in 2008, he said, quote, Yes, I thought I was joining Manchester United. I was misled by all involved. I wasn't aware of another Manchester team. End of quote. <laughs> Must have been living under a rock. Now, Joan Benoit. Now, she's a former American marathon runner. Now, she won the very first ever gold medal in women's marathon at the Olympics when it was held at the Los Angeles Olympics in 1984. But she once said this. She said, quote, when I first started running, I was so embarrassed, I'd walk when cars passed me. I'd pretend I was looking at the flowers. End of quote. <laughs> now, Frank Gifford is a former American football player, actor and TV commentator. He said, quote, Pro football is like nuclear warfare. There are no winners, only survivors. Now, the great Pete Rose... Now, he's, this is one of the most hypocritical quotes of all time. Now, we've spoken about him in a couple of previous episodes. His nickname was Charlie Hustle. And Pete Rose was a former professional baseball player and manager and considered one of the greats of all time in the sport and played for 23 years. But, yeah, it's more or less what happened afterwards when he was... Um, you know, being a manager. And, yeah, he was penalised in 1989 and banned from baseball due to accusations that he gambled on baseball games during his career as a player and, and as a manager. And he once made this quote. He goes, quote, You owe it to yourself to be the best you can possibly be in baseball and in life. End of quote. <laughs> So it's something he obviously didn't adhere to. Now, this guy, George Best, I've spoken about him before. The former Northern Ireland football great. He's 
considered one of the greatest players of all time, but he's well known and remembered for his heavy partying, an extravagant lifestyle and various personal problems, mainly alcoholism. Um, but he's also well known for his wit and funny comments. And yeah, so I'm gonna, I've got some of his funny quotes here. He goes, one of them, quote, I spent a lot of money on booze, birds and fast cars. The rest I just squandered. And he goes here, quote, I used to go missing a lot. Miss Canada, Miss United Kingdom, Miss World, end of quote. And he goes, quote, I've stopped drinking, but only when I'm asleep, end of quote. <laughs> he goes, quote, in 1969, I gave up women and alcohol. It was the worst 20 minutes of my life, end of quote. Now, in reference to former English football player Paul Gascoigne, he said, once he goes, quote, I once said Gaz's IQ was less than his shirt number. And he asked me, what's an IQ? <laughs> End of quote. And in reference to attending Alcoholics Anonymous, he said, George Best said, quote, I might go to Alcoholics Anonymous, but I think it would be difficult for me to remain anonymous. End of quote. Yeah. Anyway, I'll move on to our Where Are They Now? Where are they now? Right, so this week we're going to talk about a former, he just recently retired a couple of years ago, but he's very well known for his very, he's a sports, former Aussie sports broadcaster. Now, I only really knew him every four years for his swimming commentary at the Olympics. Um, now, really good commentator. But I never knew he was known for all these hilarious quotes, you know, because I didn't follow the Aussie rules very much because uh, he was uh, mainly an Aussie rules commentator. Uh, yeah, have you heard of, heard of him? Dennis Cometti. Yeah. Yeah. So he's had a very long and distinguished career, over 50 years, and uh, but uh, very, very well known for his his classic one-liners. And, yeah, but... Look at his uh, career now. Now, Dennis Cometti, he was born on the 26th of March, 1949, in Geraldton, Western Australia. And he's a retired Australian sports commentator and was also an Australian rules football player. He mainly played in the Waffle. Now, that's the Western Australian Football League. That's what it was like up until the AFL. All the states had their own leagues, didn't they? They still do today, but... Yeah, those um, state leagues were very big in those days. Um, now, according to Wikipedia, he's well known for his smooth voice, dry humour and quick wit. And he's of Italian, English and French um, descent. Now, his father had Italian heritage. His mother had an English-French heritage. So he's a mixture and he was an only child. Now, Cometti played 40 matches for West Perth, with his best year being in 1968 when he kicked 63 goals playing as a rover. So, you know what the rover is in AFL? It's, I, I remember I played it once when I had a season of AFL and yeah. I'd never play it again. Yeah, like they lurk around the centre of the field and, yeah. you know, at the centre bounces and... 
Oh. They're involved in kick clearances, and it's just go, go, go all the time. Oh. Yeah. Now, he's actually, he actually commenced his media career in 1968 as a radio announcer in Perth, as a top 40 disc jockey at radio station 6KY, and he broadcast his first Australian Rules football match in 1971. Now, that was a state game between Western Australia and Victoria. Now, that year, he did some voluntary work as a football commentator at Melbourne radio station 3KZ. Now, committee continued to combine his media career with his football career, and also in 1971, he made the senior list at um, Footscray in the VFL. So Footscray is the Western Bulldogs now. Yeah, so that was in the Victorian Football League, which is now the AFL. However, injuries and his media commitments intervened and he did not get to play a VFL senior match. Now, radio at that time, it was a very volatile industry. And this was, uh, you know, because there were big turnovers of staff and, and uh, you know, format changes all the time. Yeah. So it was a real cutthroat industry at the time. Now, Cometti joined the ABC in 1972, where he mainly worked in, in the sports department. In 1973, at just 23 years of age, he became the youngest sports caller to broadcast a test cricket match, and he went on to work with the great caller, Alan McGilvray. Now, he was the king of Australian cricket commentators on the radio for well over... 50 years. So, yeah, he was the voice of Australian cricket. Jim Maxwell is today. He just celebrated his... uh, We're going to talk a bit about Jim Maxwell in the next episode. Uh, Yeah, he just celebrated 50 years for the ABC calling cricket. Now, Cometti then joined Return to Perth when he continued to mix his media and football career. Now, he called waffle football matches and played suburban football in Perth for Wanneroo and then for Maddington as a captain coach. He had great success with Maddington, where he led the club to four successive grand finals and won successive premierships in 1974, 75 and 76. He then retired as a player and went on to coach Osborne Park and then Kelmscott with whom he coached to a premiership in 1979. So he's a busy lad, you know, doing his media career and playing and coaching and... Uh. Yeah. Now, in 1982, Cometti was appointed coach of West Perth in the Waffle and the club finished third in his first season in charge. He coached the club for the next few seasons and then decided to give up football coaching and focus solely on his media career. Now, Cometti then moved to the Seven Network in 1986, and this coincided at the time with the formation of the West Coast Eagles in an expanded VFL competition. Yeah, so I remember that, like 1987, you know, when the West Coast Eagles and the Brisbane Bears came into the competition. Yeah, and that was the first time the, the VFL expanded interstate. You know, well... The Sydney Swans were around, but they were South Melbourne who just uh, relocated, weren't they? Uh, but yeah, these were two new teams, you know. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, the West Coast Eagles are much more established, you know. 
because it was a Western Australia was a, a VFL state, Aussie rules state, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where Brisbane, you know, and Queensland was a very much a rugby league state. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, nineteen eighty seven, he broadcast his first season of the expanded VFL competition which also featured the Brisbane Bears, and he'd call games on the independent broadcaster, Broadcom. Now, his media career took off in 1988 when Seven Network regained the VFL television rights. Cometti then became the number one commentator of VFL and AFL matches while being based in Western Australia, where he also presented the evening news sports segment. Now, Cometti broadcast over 50 cricket test matches for the Packer Radio Network, working alongside the colourful Henry Blofeld. Yeah, he's the well-known English cricket commentator. We'll have a chat about him next week. And also with Richie Benode and Ian and Greg Chappell and Tony Gregg. And he also went on the 1997 tour of South Africa, calling the three test series on the Seven Network. Now, in the late 1990s, committee, he was sent up, he was set up, what they call it when they impersonate him, set up by Andrew Starton. You know him? Yeah, he was impersonator on the TV show Live and Kicking. (coughs) Yeah. Now, he's also by famous Aussie actor Eric Banner. He's been in some famous movies, hasn't he? Yeah. Chopper and Troy and The Dry. There's another Dry movie out, apparently. Yeah. Yep. And The Hulk. He was in The Hulk. But he was a, a very good comedian, wasn't he? Yeah. Before he became a well-known actor. Yeah. yeah. Now, committee commentated the swimming competitions at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, the 96 Atlanta Olympics and the Sydney 2000 Olympics and is well-remembered for calling some of the great moments in Australian swimming. So example was Kieran Perkins' gold medal in 1996 against the odds and the 4x100 men's freestyle smash em lock guitars gold medal. And we played that audio last week, been calling the final stages. Classic piece of commentary. Now in 2002, committee switched to the Nine Network and became the channel's leading Australian rules football caller. And he was voted the Australian Football Media Association Television's broadcaster for the next five years in a row. And he gained this, this achievement 11 times during his illustrious media career. So he's establishing himself as an all-time great. Now, committee has been very popular with football fans around Australia for many years and has dominated newspaper polls for their favourite commentator. Now, during his time at the Nine Network, he read the weeknight sports report for National Nine News in Perth, and committee returned to the Seven Network in 2007 when they regained the rights to broadcast AFL games, and he called games alongside another great sports commentator, Bruce McAvaney. Now, committee was also the lead AFL caller on Saturday afternoons for radio station 3AW, working alongside former Where Are They Now, Rex Hunt, and later for Brian Taylor. Now, he was another former player and commentator. And 
Yeah, committee. You also wrote pieces for the West Australian newspaper, and Free AW gave committee the punt. So when he decided to join Triple M radio station in 2012. Now, committee called Saturday afternoon games for Triple M and was voted the nation's top AFL radio caller that year in a national newspaper poll. Now, committee retired as an AFL television commentator at the end of the 2016 season, and his illustrious career was commemorated on air during Network 7's coverage of the 2016 AFL Grand Final. All up, committee commentated... 16 grand finals. Now, after retiring from TV commentary, committee continued the call matches for Triple M for games in Western Australia that featured Western Australian AFL teams, West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers. I think the Dockers came in about 19... They came in about 10 years later, I think. Uh. Yeah, around 97, might have been. Now, his son, Mark, worked alongside him as a uh, statistician. Now, committee also called waffle matches for the Seven Network. Now, committee was the voiceover (laughs) commentator for the AFL video game series between 2004 to 2017. And he's also written a number of books such as Back to the Place, Back to the Time. And... Centimetre perfect. That's what he was. His, one of his famous commentary quotes he'd say in a game. Uh. Yeah. So the book was called Centimetre Perfect, the classic commentary. And he wrote the foreword in a book called Kick It to the Shit House, a book on great Australian sporting quotes. Mm. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on that. Now, Comedy is a very famous for his memorable one liners, often, often known. <laughs> As committeeisms, and has produced many classic one-liners and quotes over his fifty-one-year career. Now, he reported that his humour comes from his days where he tried to entertain listeners on the FM radio broadcasts of the early part of his career. Now, he also come it also comes from his teenage days where he would attend matches as a spectator and fire off witty remarks from the hill at Leaderville Oval in Perth. <coughs> he sounds like a young yabber, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, now, Kometi was also a master of matching a perfect sporting moment with a perfect sporting comment and never took himself too seriously. Now, he has been blessed to have a beautiful voice, which he very reluctantly admits to. He has never looked back and has... And he's never watched any of the swimming races, races he's called, apparently. Mm. Yeah. Now, he was appointed a member of the Order of Australia. So he got an AM in the 2019 Australia Day Honours. What do you think of these Australia Day Honours, Glenn? Uh, these Australia... I, I don't even know you got Australian of the Year this year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. Uh. Now they announce it on Australia Day every year and it uh, used to be a great big thing and now, gosh, it's uh, just another award, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So here, here, is a, here are a list of some of Dennis Cometti's famous quotes. Now, on team selection, he goes, quote, in for the cats today, 
David and Steve Johnson, who 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 better to patch up a lineup than Johnson and Johnson? End of mm. quote. <laughs> Johnson and Johnson's a a band aid company, aren't they? Yeah, baby price. Yeah. Now this was what he said about former Aussie rules player and coach Paul Ruse. He goes, "Quote: There is something magnetic about his aura." Paul Ruse should be covered in fridge magnets. End of quote. Now, when Essendon player Courtney Johns, he said, quote, I remember when he when he debuted, he had a haircut of a 400-game veteran. Unfortunately, his game didn't gel as well as his hair. End of quote. Now, this was on Carlton's struggles, when they were really struggling. He goes, quote, Four Blues had a chance to clear that ball, it's what the French call a spirit de goof. <laughs> End of quote. Now, on North Melbourne's very small size, Brent Harvey, he goes, quote, he might be the only guy in the competition whose feet appear in his driver's licence photo. End of quote. <laughs> now, on former Brisbane Lions ruckman, Matthew Clark, he said, quote, Clark is a dinosaur thriving on climate change. End of quote. Now, on Adelaide defender Nathan Bassett, he said, quote, Bassett's my man. He never takes a breather. If he were a postman, I reckon he'd finish his round in 20 minutes, stopping only to bite a few dogs. End of quote. <laughs> now, when West Coast Eagles player kicked a great goal in the 1992 grand final, he said, quote, like a cork in the ocean. End of quote. Now, when speaking, I like this one, when speaking about Adelaide defender Rory Sloan, he said, quote, it's like finding fault with Miss Venezuela. <laughs> End of quote. You know, they win all those beauty pageants. Uh, and, uh, now, when speaking about young Brisbane player Marco Paparone, he said, quote, the guns of Paparone need a bit of work. End of quote. And when Josh Carr was wearing nine for Port Adelaide, he bumped into his brother Matthew, who was wearing number nine for Fremantle, and he said, quote, How's that? A two-car collision, both with the same rego. End of quote. <laughs> and he goes, one game he was um, calling, he said, quote, Park it's a car. Sounds like a match made in heaven. End of quote. And his most well-known quote, as I said, that was centimetre perfect. And yeah, he said this about Collingwood. Collingwood know they are in trouble. It's like being in the bathtub with the Loch Neck, Loch Neck Nest monster. Uh. <laughs> Loch Ness monster. Uh, do you believe in that? Loch Ness monster? Yeah. Uh, quote, he had no chance, like climbing Mount Everest in thongs. <laughs> These are all while he's calling a game. Uh, and he said this once, he goes, quote, not even Pythagoras could have kept that one in, end of quote. And on Sydney Swans, Lewis Jetta running into an open goal. I think this was in the 2012 grand final. He said, quote, it's like trying to stop a train with a fishing rod, end of quote. And on player Heath Shaw, he goes, quote, Heath Shaw, that was not so sure, end of quote. And 
said this one. Quote, Hupolo runs into Blair. There's a Blair in there. End of quote. And quote, the cats are all around him like a bowl of milk. <laughs> it was like the Geelong flies. Now, quote, Brown looking for black, but gives it to green. It's confusing at home, I know. End of quote. And this was at the start of a Richmond Tigers versus St. Kilda Saints match. He said, quote, like the Argentine steakhouse, the steaks here are huge. End of quote. So, yeah, let's look at what Dennis Cometti's doing today. Now, he's now 74 years of age and still going strong. Now, he stands at an impressive height of 1.91 metres. He is now officially retired as a sports commentator, with the 2021 AFL Grand Final being the last game he called, which was for the Triple M radio station. Now, after the game, Kometi was inducted into the Western Australian Football League Hall of Fame. And now he's been married to uh, Valia for an amazing 53 years. Now, they met when Dennis Kometi worked many years ago in the late 1960s at 6KY, and she was the boss's daughter at the time. Now, she was actually Bon Scott's partner at Scott's 21st birthday. Yeah. yeah. Now, Dennis and Valia have two sons, Ricky and Mark. Now, Mark, he's a professional wrestler in America, actually. Yeah. He's called the Outback Silverback. Yeah. Yep. He's big on the, uh, the, the professional wrestling scene over there. So he must be a big unit. Yeah. Now, Kometi loves his music, especially Jackson Brown, Bob Dylan, Harry Shapin. Do you know about Harry Shapin? No. Yeah. He was an American singer-songwriter, philanthropist and hunger activist. Now, he's best known for his folk songs and pop songs. Mm. He achieved um, worldwide success in the 1970s, but it's a very sad story. Yeah. Um, you heard that song, Cats in the Cradle? Yeah. Yeah, he sang that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and also uh, Taxi. But he did an enormous amount of work, humanitarian work, and worked hard to end world hunger. And, yeah, he died tragically in a motor vehicle accident, just 38 years of age. Yeah, he was on his way to perform at a concert. And, uh, yeah, very sad. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, he's re he received numerous awards before and after his death. Now, committee admits that Australian rules football has always been his main passion. He also has a love for fashion and travelling and has certainly clocked up many kilometres during his career, especially with regular trips from Perth to Melbourne and back to call football matches. He'd be getting that red eye special. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I got that once. <laughs> yeah. Now, when he called Aussie Rules Football, committee believes that in regard to his quirky comments, it just came out what he said at that moment because... Everything in football was happening so quickly in that instant and he didn't have time to think. However, when commentating a swimming race, he had, he had more time to think about what he was going to say. Like an example was um, at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics with Susie O'Neill. This was in the 200 metres butterfly and he made that this quote in the final part of the race that 
O'Neill had, quote, the heart of a lion and the heart of Dixie, end of quote. Who's Dixie? <laughs> I've got no idea what he means there. Uh, the heart of Dixie. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll have to ask him. <laughs> but he followed that up because they hadn't won a gold medal at those games until the final day. And he goes, finally, goal for Australia. Uh, now, when he retired, committee had broadcast more Australian Olympic gold medals than any other commentator of the television era. Now, committee is a member of the Melbourne Cricket Club and is the number one ticket holder for the Perth Wildcats national basketball team. He even is the name of an Australian punk band and is named, yeah, it's named in committee's honour. Yeah, so he knows he's doing well. You know you're doing well when you get your name named after a band. Yeah. And uh, poet Mick Collis, he performed a poem entitled Centimetre Perfect, and which paid tribute to committee. Now, I've got a quick, um, oh, some of his famous quotes here that I'll play quickly to finish off. Well, if a green creature approached me from out of space and asked me to show it a good day out, I would, without a moment's hesitation, take it unswervingly to Bendigo. He's no oil painting, but look at him climbing the pack like a pop-up toaster. He has clearly been shopping at Clangers or Us. I've seen better swings on a condemned playground. That decision was like taking a beer to a job interview. Not a very good idea. Well, yes, he is a bully, but he's not a mean bully. He's more a teacher, the kind of guy who'd take your lunch money and invest it for you. They're using the Tokyo subway play. The balls come out of the pack like a chocolate bar from a slot machine. Looked about as coordinated as Disney's goof. Casanova would have been jealous of that pickup. Get that weak shiitake mushroom out of here. <laughs> Casanova would have been jealous of that pickup. <laughs> oh, dear ID. Uh... That's a story of Dennis Cometti. <laughs> He's like the AFL's um, Rex Mossop, isn't he? Yeah. With his clangers. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, who's our Who Am I for this week? Glenn, Greg reveal Norman. the answer. Greg Norman. Yeah. 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 I forgot he was from um, Mount Isa. Yeah. There wouldn't be much to do up there. Yeah, it's certainly <laughs> well away from the water. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a big dam up there. That, uh, there's plenty of money and people got jet skis. And well, it's a big mining town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're born if you're bored in Cat Eye. Gosh, nice. you'd be bored in Mount Isa. Mount Isa's got the world's biggest Irish pub. Has it? Yeah. I think. Pat Rafter came from Mount Isa too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, produced some, some of our sporting greats. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so next episode. Now, we've uh, covered, spoken a bit about commentators today. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of my favourite sporting commentators uh, over the years. Yeah. So... Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. All sources for this episode are on the platform page. 
So it's goodbye from Paul. It's goodbye from Will. Goodbye. It's me again. G'day. It's me again. Please check out this morning check on Facebook if you like this for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time.